coming up next on the Passionately Married podcast. Then there are also other experiences that could be, you know, mild bullying or a level of just disengagement in your family system where no one prepared you for puberty or no one prepared you Mm -hmm. for just some of the emotional challenges of a prototype of hell like middle school can be. And so part of like what we have learned from people like Dr. Gabor Mate is he would say trauma is not just what happened to us. Trauma is what happens inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Corey Allen alongside my wife, Pam. Good to be here. Each and every week, we try to help couples cultivate the space between them through conversations and actions that you can have that create a more passionate marriage and a more vibrant life and just propel everything forward. Mm, That's a goal. (laughs) If you're new to the show and you're looking for ways to tell your friends about it or you're trying to find out more about what we've got going on here, you check out our starter packs. Uh, These are shows listed according to topic and uh, popularity even. And if you go to passionatelymarried.net forward slash starter, you'll be able to find a bunch of information that just helps you kind of pick out some of the ones if you're just trying to dive in. And also, if you're new to the show, uh, help us out. Join the community by rating and reviewing the show. Let us know what we missed, what we might, what's good, what's bad. We want it all. Uh, Mm. We love the feedback. And coming up on today's regular free version of of Passionately Married is we're joined again by Jay Stringer. Uh, He was in episode 588 on sexual shame and brokenness in the past in the archives. And so he's come back. Because today we're talking about the whole idea of lust management. Is that something you manage? Well, that's kind of where we go with this. And and if you're not quite sure, you need to listen to today's (laughs) show. uh, Because there is this element of can we manage our emotions? Or are we better served by learning to tolerate and steer and address them better? And some of this is word semantics. I get it. But well, word semantics is important, right? You guys talk about in there that language is important. Understanding each other's terms matters mm-hmm. because you got meaning behind the terms that you use. Absolutely. So that's helpful as spouses when you're when you're dealing with uh, issues like this that can come between you. Right. And I love the conversation that we get to have with Jay because we, we really start to look at this whole idea of his being wholeness. That how, how are we bringing, bringing our whole selves to our lives, which means we sometimes have to look at some of the icky and the traumatic and the issues that are a little more dark, if you will. How do we get curious? That's kind of his stance that he, that I love that he takes. Yeah. We need to be curious about those things, not run from them. Well, all those, yeah. Recognizing all those things make up who we are today. Mm -hmm. Whatever we've had in the past makes up who we are today. How can it make us a better person rather than not a better person? And steer them forward and towards our marriages. Yeah. That's, that's the whole goal. And on the extended content, which is deeper, longer, and there's no ads, you can subscribe at passionatelymarried.net forward slash academy. We get into this idea of the dual experience that you alluded to. You kind of gave a nice little teaser there of the language matters on the terminology we use when we face the different struggles, particularly in our sex lives. Because a lot of times the person going through a struggle can label something different than the one walking alongside the person going through the struggle, i.e. spouse. And some of those languages can be weaponized. And and then it ends up making an even deeper issue that can happen between us 
as spouses rather than being allies and collaborators in this journey. Exactly. We're on the same team. Let's figure it out. So all this coming up on today's show. So, Jay, how have you been, man? <laughs> I have been fairly well. Um, we, One of the things that has happened recently is my son uh, turned 10 in the last month. And that, you know, a lot of my early trauma, and I would say like just when life really started going downhill for me was in fifth grade uh, when I turned 10. And so it's been stirring up quite a bit, like just having my child now Mm -hmm. over half of his lifetime has been spent with my wife and I. So it's just, it stirs up a lot of questions around yeah, time with him and just my own dealing with my own 10 year old self in the midst of parenting a 10 year old. So that's been probably most in the forefront of my mind is just how am I attending to being a dad to this boy, but also dealing with just a lot of my own childhood stories around that particular age. Oh, that is all too familiar because my my world was the fourth, fifth grade as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's when a lot of things entered into the picture. So where I want to go with the conversation, Jay, is um, you and I do a lot of overlap of, of the work, a lot of the same history in some regards, personal and professional, um, and maybe even perhaps marital. You know, there's the whole journey. There, mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of similarities. But when I, I want to just let's go through a scenario of kind of a common client we might see of a guy that's co- that's coming, um, and he's 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 been introduced to pornography at some point in his childhood. It's still there. It's wreaking havoc. He's tried the traditional uh, white knuckle it. <laughs> um, he's tried the traditional accountability accountability group will solve this. He's tried yes, the you know yeah. all the different things. The belief think that marriage the, will help him absolutely deal with this marriage better, will solve it because now I can illusions. actually have yeah. sex. Yeah. Yes. Um, but the one thing that jumps out to me is just this idea when we at, when we overlap the human condition and the route that we go down, uh, men and women both. And then you throw into it this idea of the lust management uh, thought mm-hmm. process. Um, how do you make sense of those? <laughs> what do you, you know, talk, talk about that, because I think that's some of the things that are that really resonate for me with your work. Yeah. Yeah. So if that client were to come in and say, you know, I have a present problem with pornography, trying to address it. Uh what I view my job as a therapist is, is I want to essentially construct a bridge between the present to the past. And until that bridge is constructed, people will inevitably either minimize their sexual problems or they will try to manage them and develop some level of mastery around them. So we want to get a sense of like, you know, what's the origin story of this behavior? When were you first introduced to it? How has fantasy or the porn searches changed over time? And so, you know, one of the things that we're all waking up to is just the reality of childhood trauma. And so there are, you know, people have probably heard the distinction between a big T trauma and a small T trauma, big T Mm -hmm. trauma being, 
you know, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, life or death scenarios. But then there are also other experiences that could be, you know, mild bullying or a level of just disengagement in your family system where no one prepared you for puberty or no one prepared you Mm -hmm. for just some of the emotional challenges of a prototype of hell like middle school can be. And so part of like what we have learned from people like Dr. Gabor Mate is he would say trauma is not just what happened to us. Trauma is what happens inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness. And so right then we have, you know, that sometimes the difficulties that happen to us, if we don't have a good parent, a good community around us that is attuned, present, caring to some of those difficulties, we are feeling some level of pain or trauma. And so what happens in the midst of trauma is we need to find particular things to bring soothing and numbing to our lives. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. that boy, that man that we're dealing with clinically may have found porn around the age of 12 or 13. And for him, it was that first experience of pleasure, connection, soothing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it remains like that over the course of adulthood. I think, you know, the ways that we learn to survive eventually lead to problems later on in life. But that's how I would hold that with that client is let's honor the origin story of the soothing, the attachment that you developed here, but then also let's step into you're still a bit like a 13, 14 year old in terms of development where you're still outsourcing your care and desire for soothing to something that's causing you know, personal and interpersonal problems. And so let's grow a self kind of capable of moving through some of this distress instead of just relying on porn or your partner's validation. So um, those problems, I think, are always a roadmap to healing and growth. That's kind of the perspective that I take. Right. So what do you do then because this this is where it becomes so, uh, in some ways, insidious, at least in my experience, that now you put it in the context of a marriage with a spouse who uh, is possibly uh, revolted by that aspect mm-hmm. of his life. And again, yes. I think this can be reversed, right, with, with the yep. female bringing in whatever their strategy and coping and pleasure and all that, you know, but it, for the sake of our conversation, we'll, we'll keep it this way that we started mm-hmm. it. But because what you're describing is actually leaning into it with that, with le- far less judgment, far less mm-hmm. condemnation, um, and, and almost trying to make it human. Yeah. <laughs> how yeah. dare, how dare we in some ways, Precisely. but you know, but that's, that's where it seems to be a disconnect, right? I, I think as professionals, we can talk about this and see it as, yeah, that's, I can understand that. But to a, a person just listening that has maybe gone through this, man, we react out of our pain. Summer's coming, fellas. And are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Manscaped is here to ensure that your body is ready for the wild with their game changing full body grooming and hygiene products. I love them. Our son loves them. And I've even given a couple to my father. And I got good feedback from him, too. So don't be the guy at the beach with the Austin Powers chest hair. And if you grew some man boobs this winter, 
Well, at least make sure they're hairless because that's what Manscaped is really all about. That's right. They want to help you be smooth or trimmed, however you prefer. So it's time to get ready for the hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code PASSION. Pam, I've talked about this before. I'm a huge fan of the Performance Package 4.0. Yeah, you are. Use yep. it regularly. Mm-hmm. The kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 4.0, which is waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and it has a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. So if you're trimming your chest or just kind of trimming things up downstairs, they've got you covered. Another go-to thing in the package, Pam, is the no one likes low nose hairs. I mean, true. No one true likes nose hairs. <laughs> so their Weed Whacker 2.0 is a, is a must-have. So you can also get two free gifts, which is the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing make Manscaped boxers. Our son's a big fan of these guys. Yes, he is. <laughs> Manscaped's been a big sponsor of our show, and we've talked about them and rave about them regularly. And so you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use our code PASSION at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping when you use our code PASSION at manscaped.com. Springtime oftentimes, for us particularly, Pam, can get pretty chaotic. Mm. We've got busy work schedules Mm -hmm. Uh, this year, particularly we've got a high school senior with all the graduation hoo-ha that's kind of, it's building up. Excitement and fun. It is, but it also just is more and more things to add to the schedule. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that our sponsor today is particularly helpful with is how do you squeeze in time for just you and your spouse? Well, our sponsor today, we're huge fans of the Adventure Challenge, what they offer up their mini dates. And so this is that chance for you to steal a little bit of time away with just you and your spouse. And what they have are the scratch-off cards that give you fun, adventurous challenges to help set the mood so you can transition from schedule and regular routine into steal time away with each other. And everybody likes adventure. I know I'm married to one that likes adventure. So date night has never been easier with their 30 new scratch-off adventures. Each date can be completed in under 30 minutes, unless, of course, Pam, you want to keep it going longer. We'll see. <laughs> Might need to wrap this up quick. There are helpful <laughs> hints located in every card that help you choose the right date for you and your partner. Supplies and prep are minimal, but laughter is abundant. So go to theadventurechallenge.com, use our code PM20, and you get 20% off of all of your order. So many dates... Big memories at theadventurechallenge.com. Be sure to use our code PM20 and you get 30 dates, each 30 minutes or less, unless you'd like to extend it. When we had, just to bring you where we've been in the show lately, we did a, an episode a couple back um, where a, a husband had emailed in. He's had a porn addiction, the way he described it his entire mm-hmm. life. Um, and he, he's, he's, trying to, he's tried to figure out how to fix it. And he's trying to figure out when should he tell his wife. His wife knew but it's still going on. And so he, he asked, when should he, should he disclose to her? And my counsel was yes, but you need a, it, what really matters is the motivation for telling her. Right. So mm-hmm. not necessarily right now, because a lot of times my journey was I unloaded it on Pam mm-hmm. because it made me feel better. I had no plan of how I'm going to fix it. Yes. I just, I just freed myself of the guilt and I gave it all to her. How great yes. and gracious. You metabolize me. it. You deal with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. But so one, some of the feedback we got from that 
was from wives that have been on that journey and the pain that they emailed in with was so evident because it's like, hold on a sec. This is completely wrong. This is damaging. They're living a lie, you know, and we can react to things. And so how do we make sense of that for Mm -hmm. uh, the just people in general to, to kind of maybe take a little weaponizing out of it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's going to be stages of growth here. And sometimes I I break it down for couples in terms of, yeah, when all of this comes out, you're, you're going to be in much more of the crisis or triage stage. And so the work to be done there is... I mean, it's got to be a very differentiated process where the, you know, the offending partner is doing their own work to understand, like, how did I get here? Why do I mm-hmm. stay here? Why was I committed to hiding and secrecy? And we understand our story not to make excuses for our behavior, but to actually take more responsibility for it. And so it, when I understand the why, I'm beginning to step in with more integrity to my story, which then allows me to step into more integrity with how, you know, the harm that I brought into my marriage. But simultaneously, you know, the the person who has been betrayed, they're going to enter into their own crisis stage. Mm -hmm. And that's where you want to have a licensed mental health counselor working with you. And sometimes what I hear from those spouses is both a sense of betrayal trauma, but then also a sense of like something in my gut knew that something was off. And so the dual work there is, you know, when trauma happens to us, we have a region in our brain called Broca's area. And when we are betrayed, when we enter into any form of trauma, Broca's area goes offline. And Broca's area is the region of speech. It's the region of language. So a lot of times when we first find out that our partner has the secret, we might say something like, I have no words to describe what it is. And that's Broca's area. That's a trauma response. And so we want to care for that trauma. But then we also, for most spouses that I work with, and this is not in any way to blame you know, the, the, right. uh, the partner here, but it's, they usually have some sense of like, I had a feeling that something was off, but I was either gaslit or mm-hmm. I suppressed what I felt like I knew. And so that mm-hmm. becomes moving from the crisis triage stage, much more to the meaning making stage. And so for some spouses, they might feel the sense of like, well, I'm not good enough and I can't compete with this affair partner or with this porn search. And it's a very, you know, they're processing all of their own self-esteem issues that they have never processed. So sometimes these sexual problems are a petri dish for both partners to work through some of the unresolved stories of their life. And so I think if you can get... Let's let's attend to the triage, the crisis for, I don't even want to put a timeline, but I would say somewhere between zero and six months. And then hopefully if you're doing good work, six months on is the meaning making stages for both individual partners. Right. Of how did I get here? What, what do I not want to see again? What am I not going to tolerate anymore in right. my marriage? And then it's more of like a, you know, a recasting of a vision of what what do we want for our marriage going forward that doesn't contain secrecy, but also doesn't kind of tie our whole sense of self to this person's desire choice for us, which is always a, a fairly precarious place when you're <laughs> relying 
on your partner for all types of soothing and validation. We should at some level, but it can become holistic and comprehensive in scope. And that's really where the enmeshment of a couple inevitably has to break down in order for something new and life-giving to emerge. Right. That's where your identity is not solely in that one dynamic. It's, it's in multiples and it's in yourself and there's elements of you grow a sacredness and a bond and a depth, Mm. but you don't give everything, which is, and again, that's counter to, right. That that's counter to a lot of what we think. So much. So, and that's like the meaning making stage might be, you know, I want it, if I am the partner that's been using porn and secret or having the affair, I mean, sometimes that is part of, you know, after I've stepped into the betrayal, the harm, the secrecy, uh, the gaslighting that I have done, I need to have integrity there. But then also, you know, when you talked about the sacredness of a marriage or just the soulfulness of a marriage, it really comes when two partners are able to say like, here's my story and how I've kind of come into this marriage and here's your story. And now how can we commit to one another uh, to care for one another in places that we have lacked love? And so, you know, as an individual, I have to care for that 10 year old self in me, that 11 year old self in me. And I have to be a way in a way the the dad that I never had in that place. But mm-hmm. I can also bring my wife into, you know, when I hit really difficult moments, professionally, personally, even as an adult, that's some of the self state that she's dealing with is an 11 year old. And that's right. not you have to deal with him because I don't want him. But it's I'm caring for him. And here are some right. stories that would really help you to understand the man, but also the adolescent that you're dealing with in our marriage. Right. And let's, and let's be crystal clear because what you are saying, just in case this isn't being heard cleanly, it's not the spouse's responsibility to deal with our lack of whatever, or our um, trauma and healing, whatever, because that's where they can be an ally, but they are not responsible for in no way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, to Gabor Mate's point of trauma is not just a difficult, traumatic moment that happens to us. It's what happens inside of us in the in the absence of an empathetic witness. Yeah. As an individual, it is my primary responsibility to be a primary witness to my story. But I'm also grateful that I have dear friends that have been empathetic witnesses to yeah. some of my heartache and trauma, but also my wife. Um, so it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's saying like, I want to be the person that is most attuned, caring for and dealing with the implications of my story. But certainly that's not a siloed approach to life. It's, it's yeah. saying, you know, friends, colleagues, yeah. uh, dear people in my life. These yeah. are some yeah, of the cause... stories that have formed the person that you're interacting with today. Right, because this is this is the kind of work that you're describing, and the kind of life sh- life shift, if you will, of it's moving beyond trying to manage these things, and it's actually addressing them and tending mm-hmm. to them. Right, yeah, it's welcoming well them in some ways. Right, it's it's heading towards mm-hmm. them. And have you have you come across? Um, I saw this on uh, Instagram a couple months back of the story of the differences between buffaloes and cows. 
when it comes to storms. Have you heard of this? I, I actually, don't know this. I actually went to go search it out to make sure it wasn't okay. just an in, uh, an Instagram, you know, viral something. <laughs> that, Do that, cows find... separate and buffaloes come and bison no, come no, no. together? Or... So, so both both uh, both buffaloes and cows, when storms are coming, they can sense it, yeah. right? Because they're out yeah. in in nature and they can sense the change in the pressure and they can sense yes. the impending energy. Uh, cows run the other way mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. if they're out in a plane, right? Where it's wide open, yeah. they will run the opposite mm-hmm. direction from the way the storm is coming. Well, cows are not fast enough to outrun a storm. Let's just face that fact, <laughs> but they will keep yeah. running. What's the top speed of a cow? <laughs> I don't, I did not find I've that. Never I, maybe I need to go back and Google. So, um, but they'll keep running and the storm will catch them mm-hmm. and they'll keep running yeah. and the storm will stay on them and they'll keep running and they stay in the storm. Whereas buffaloes, when okay. they sense the storm, they run at it. Mm. And even though it's yeah. scary running at it, they will get mm-hmm. through it faster and reap the benefits of it on the other side, which is mm-hmm. you know the moisture, the growth, the refreshing, everything, which is an incredibly exquisite analogy of trauma yes. and stress mm-hmm. and hurt and pain that mm-hmm. we think we want to just run from it. But reality yes. is we got to run towards it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I go a couple places there. Um, there is a spear fisher woman by the name of Kimmy Werner, and I can't remember if I talked about her on the show last time. It's worth uh, revisiting if in, you didn't. So she, go ahead. she gets into the waters. You know, she's a spear fisher, uh, and you know, on one breath can go into depths of about a hundred feet, and. You know, when you're spear fishing, you know, you you get your catch, your prey, and then the sharks can actually smell the blood from the fish that you've just caught. So the fish, I mean, the sharks start coming in to try and steal her fish. And that's what she says as well in this Patagonia film, Fish People, is she said, she says something along the lines of like, when a, you know, when a shark is trying to steal her catch, she says, not today, buddy. And she yeah. swims directly <laughs> at the shark and pushes it away just to tell it like, not today, this dinner is mine. And again, that's, that's a very trained response because Mm, limbically (laughs) our amygdala is actually that fight, flight, freeze, fawn approach. So it does take some good care to understand your self state, to understand like, this is my natural inclination is I want to run. But I have learned that if I run, it actually creates more chaos. So I'm actually going to turn and face this thing. So I right. love that language. The The poet John O'Donohue, in one of his writings to a friend who is dealing with a terminal illness, uh, said something along the lines of, may you find in yourself a courageous hospitality for all that is you know, miserable or difficult inside of you. And that's, I mean, I think that's what we're getting at is, this is miserable. It sucks. It's full of yeah. shame. It can be full yeah. of isolation and loneliness. But will you commit to a courageous hospitality for these stories and for the difficulty of your marriage? And over time, not all at once, this courageous hospitality begins to bring soul and healing and goodness and flourishing to your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's, that, that's that element. You use the word, uh, the wording of curious, of wholeness. Uh, and those are things that we have in some ways they're counterintuitive. In some ways they require a decision of a turning towards of a seeking out 
Whereas I think our humanness is oftentimes, how do I just make it go away? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? yep. How do I put this behind me knowing, mm-hmm. oh, sure, if I can just outrun this, it will never bother me again, which total farce. Does it happen yes. in life? Because everything has a tendency to come back and creep in. And so I love just the whole framework of seeing it as being curious about your journey, your story. What, mm-hmm. what role did it play? What was mm-hmm. the importance of it back when it entered? And then as it grew or evolved or shaped, because again, that's that element of, I heard this in school, our coping mechanisms made sense when we created them, but they don't mm-hmm. typically make sense later. Yes. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's, that's what we have to be intellectually honest about is, you know, if we take something like trauma or pain or heartache and we say, what happens to that is that that pain, that heartache is too much for most of us to deal with. And so inevitably the next stage is numbing. And so it's not just that you're running from the reality. It's that the, you know, the human condition needs to be able to find some suppressant of that pain. And so that could be alcohol, drugs, substance abuse, Netflix, uh, but something that allows the pain, the difficulty, the overwhelm to be reduced. And then the thing that you rely on for rescue then becomes the master over you. And that's when it leads to all of these problems. So you might think that running is helping you, but if you are actually honest about what, you know, you you can't just run away from something. You're also simultaneously developing faith, trust, and some other process to help you. And then it's that question of how is that newfound faith newfound trust actually working for you with that type of Netflix substance abuse, whatever that is. Uh, We, we don't typically remain neutral in these places. No, but I also like how you're confirming the idea that all of us medicate in some way, shape or form for the Mm -hmm. the hurts and the ails of life. Mm -hmm. And, And then it just becomes, how do I move it up the healthy scale? Yes. Of, yep. of what I choose to do to to get a break, to rep- to have a reprieve, even to escape a little bit, because I think there's elements of times of life where it's like, I just need to escape to the back porch mm-hmm. and breathe for a little bit out of the chaos. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, it, you know, sometimes I'll have clients that I can remember one client was talking about going to a, this was when I was in Seattle, you know, was at a Seattle Mariners game watching the Orioles or something. And some batter had struck out like three times in a game. And he had said something like that hadn't happened since Camden yards back in 2012. And I was like, how do you know that? And for him, (laughs) it wasn't It was just like a level of mastery that he found some realm of life where he had complete control and dominion. So it could be some type of mastery approach to life or for others, it's more of like an indulging of something. But you're right. The what is what is your back porch? Uh, I was having some 
issues with my teeth a couple days ago. And I've had, you know, just some teeth issues through the years and something kind of broke off from some dental treatment and my whole body just shut down. Like yeah. I I was in a trauma response in a way. And so we have a, you know, one of those weighted blankets. And that was part yeah. of what I had to sleep with was I was like, I just need weight. I need a level of containment for myself just because I I did not feel grounded. And yeah. so whether it's a back porch, fly fishing, a weighted blanket, but like what, what brings rest, restoration, goodness to your heart and soul is really what we have to prioritize when we're in these difficult places. Yeah, because this, this is that element of how am I looking out for myself? How am I also looking out for what I care for? Because I think of this on a relational context, right? That, that if if we're talking about this within that framework there's there's dual work going on there's dual impact going on there's dual realities going on and that's where it gets so conflicted and escalated mm-hmm. even because you're you're dealing with this framework of i'm trying to take care of my life in close proximity to somebody else that will have impact on me and vice versa yes yeah yeah, I was just aware of, I was working with a client a couple of weeks ago where just that that sense, of, and let me know if this is what you're getting at, but their choice to pursue self-care just created a lot of conflict in their marriage because it was that sense of like, why do you get oxygen? Um, I've been right. working hard around the house. I've been working hard here. And so like now that you're making this good decision, but what about right. me? And right. that's that sense of, you know, when you get on an airplane, please secure your own oxygen mask before securing the oxygen mask of others. And that ought to be a question that's asked of, you know, your spouse really mm-hmm. consistently is like, mm-hmm. where are you going to pursue good care, self-care? Where am I going to pursue it? And this is not a competition. Uh, right. There is room right. for both of us to pursue space and rest because for me, that's like going out into the woods for my wife. That's often going to like an art museum and having two or three hours in a coffee shop to read and write. Um, we're very different, but we both kind of mutually scheme to make sure that we have what we need. Um, yeah. Cause we're, I think we're much better partners and lovers when we're both experiencing oxygen instead of deprivation. Well, Jay, this has been, this has been a, a joy to catch up with you again. Um, so thank you so much for the time, dude. Likewise. Thanks for having me back on Corey. Enjoyed it. So it's been a lot of fun to have uh, guests from the past come back and join and continue some conversations and have collaborations. And Jay, Jay's work is so good and being able to just talk real about some of the things that not a lot of people, particularly in the Christian faith, are willing and have the courage to go deep into. And I also have to say it's a lot of fun to have a fellow clinician on, and we can almost sort of clinician out a little bit. That's a running theme for you in some of these shows, (laughs) geeking out. Well... We, we I'm married to, to a geek, I guess. We try to tell people to embrace who you are, so embrace who I am there, I'll baby. take it. I'll take it. <laughs> well, if you like the show or we left something undone, we'd love to know. So let us know. 214-702-9565 is our feedback line. You can leave us messages 
about um, questions you have, things we need to go and explore more, or just things that really particularly stood out. And they may, if they come to you and the idea of, you know, this really spoke to me, I think share that because it probably would speak to some other people. Transcripts are also available on the show's notes of each of the episode's pages. And all the advertisers' deals and discount codes are also available at each of the episode's pages at passionatelymarried.net. Please consider supporting those who support the show. Well, however you've taken some time out to spend it with us today or this week, thank you again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>